Good day, everybody. This is Dr. Bar 2 on Pill Talk Podcast, coming to you with your daily dose of medicine, something to give you some medicine to get you inspired and live at your full potential. I have a special guest today, Dr. Dan. Um, he's a distinguished ER physician, a biodefense expert, war veteran, just to name a few. He's been on CBS, ABC, NBC, MSNBC, just to name a few. Um, so it's an honor to have him here. So how are you doing today, Dr. Dan? I'm spectacular, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad you could take some time out to come and be on Pill Talk today. Definitely. Um, we got to do stuff for, for our people and for the public and make sure that they, they get their good dose of medicine, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I want to jump right into it. You are a very accomplished gentleman and uh, you do so much for the community. So let's start in the beginning. How did you get your start into the medical field? Um, yeah, that was uh, interesting. Well, I guess uh, around age seven, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I kind of knew that early on. My parents were in the health sciences field. Mom's a nurse, dad was a microbiologist. So I pretty much had no choice. My parents were also Nigerian. So, you know, it's pretty much you, a lawyer, doctor, or accountant. Those were your three um, <laughs> Uh, pods that you had to pick. So if you didn't pick any of those, uh, you were pretty much outcast. Of course, that's changed nowadays. Uh, they've understood that um, there are many paths to success um, and to support those things. But uh, I say that tongue in cheek, but that's really how it was. But uh, but yeah, I knew, I knew that early on in my lifetime. Um, other parts about, uh, you know, um, my profession and knowing and how I got to where I got to was, you know, my parents. Stephanie, we grew up in a praying family, um, and there were morals and expectations and responsibilities, um, and it was a it wasn't a single family. Um, so that was one of the things, and definitely my mom was a strong advocate for making sure that we follow through on that. Um, and my dad is more of the laid back uh, guy, uh, but Stephanie's mom wasn't having it, so uh, we we had to had to shape up. So that's those are the two pieces that are. Uh, have uh, kept me going. What's up, everyone? Let me introduce myself. My name is Dr. Bartu Wilson, and I'm going to tell you my favorite model, bigger dreams, less worries. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I can recall starting my journey to pursue my childhood dream to become a pharmacist. It wasn't an easy one. I had to overcome naysayers, rejection, self-doubt, because I didn't get accepted to pharmacy school until my third time applying. I had a big dream and I wouldn't allow anything to stop me from achieving it. I took every loss that came my way and I took that loss and turned it into a lesson. During those times of rejection, I took the time to sit down and figure out what was I doing wrong and what would make me an ideal candidate for the next time I apply for pharmacy school. I achieved my dream job and I'm featured on one of the most prestigious publications out. Marquise Who's Who in 2021 as a top medical professional in the world because I didn't allow my worries to stop me. So my words of wisdom to anyone listening out right now is, it's bigger dreams, less worries. So join me each and every week, Monday at 6 p.m. on Pill Talk Podcast to start to dream bigger. Pill Talk Podcast is not just your regular podcast, it's your medicine. The daily dose you need to educate, motivate, and inspire 
to live at your full potential. So, go ahead and start to dream bigger with Pill Talk Podcast. And while I got your attention, make sure you go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, and become a supporter by being an active listener. And if you would like, get you a t-shirt, Bigger Dreams, Let's Work. Great, great, great. So, you came in to become an ER physician. So, can you describe what you do in the ER and how you impact the people's lives with that, just in case someone doesn't know? Sure. Um, so, ER as an emergency room, it typically actually is referred to as the ED, an emergency department, because it's not just one room, um, as uh, we say in the emergency world. However, um, yeah, in my day-to-day work, it really involves saving lives, literally. Um, and uh, I'm blessed to have those opportunities. I like the adrenaline rush, um, the unknown, the thinking on your feet, the excitement from that, uh, but also the ability to intervene, to help, um, and to change the course. Um, and even more so, I love it when I'm in the pediatric emergency department, because I get to see children and I get to uh, shape their lives um, and try to rescue them from whatever perils that their parents have brought them in from. Um, For the adult side, you know, when I work with older patients, um, unfortunately, they're not as resilient as kids are. So um, my preface is is the children, definitely children and adolescents. Um, But I still will see some uh, adults. With that said, um, it's still the adrenaline rush, the unknown, uh, the excitement from trying to save a life, be it from a seizure that a patient's presenting with, from a fever to, for example, SARS-CoV-2, what we're seeing, unfortunately, um, to some trauma, like a fracture, a broken leg or bone, somebody got in a car crash, uh, you know, many different ailments. And we have to, you know, kind of fill in that gap as the doctor. We're not your primary care doctor, but we got to figure out everything quickly within a short period of time. We don't have your whole history. So there are lots of challenges to it, and we don't know your background. So we have to now get all that in a short period of time and quickly intervene to save a life. So that can be sometimes not challenging. Okay, great, great. And there you mentioned a little bit about COVID, how you guys had to make adjustments for that. Uh, can you talk a little bit how COVID impacted the ER and then now that we're getting out of COVID per se and getting back to some normalcy, how you guys are moving along with that? Yeah, so it still pro- provides some challenges um, uh, from that perspective because uh, it's not gone anywhere. It's just kind of uh, quiescent, if you will, for now, meaning it's, it's low levels. Um, People have been doing um, what they needed to do and we were getting vaccinated. But now we're on the resurgence. Um, it's coming back, not like it went anywhere, uh, but we're seeing cases starting to rise. So that's the challenge. And the question is, you have the equation, you have the formula, are you plugging it in? Meaning, are we doing what we need to do? So if it's to get vaccinated and wear a mask and do what we need to do to avoid uh, uh, COVID and to actually make that uh, kind of get to a significantly low level, we're not doing that. And I don't think we're, uh, we have that capability to do that, unfortunately. 
Um, so yeah, we're starting to see some upticks in those cases. It's just what it is. Yeah, I understand that. So let's go off a little bit because uh, it's something I really want to talk about that excited me about your uh, about your background, about all the things that you've done. And one of the things, if you've worked with the Obama administration in the biodefense, so how did you come across that and how were you selected as being one of the youngest African-Americans to actually do that? Yeah, um, uh, I'm definitely blessed. Um, you can't, can't, um, can't take away from that. I've definitely accomplished a lot of things that many of my peers would never accomplish in their life. So blessings to God on that. Um, but yeah, so I guess it started from uh, my work with the military. Uh, as a war veteran, I was an infantry uh, guy, so a soldier, yes, I was an infantry. Uh, that's us carrying the weapons you saw in Iraq and going through neighborhoods and things like that if you watch any of those types of movies. Yeah, I did that. Uh, but I had a dual role, um, uh, and uh, I'll share that story at another date, but the dual role was infantry soldier and also doctor. So um, uh, there's, a, there's a special group uh, that I was part of that I can't go into detail about. But anyway, uh, so we had skills to, to, to save lives and to also eliminate any uh, threats, right? Um, so that's part of one of the processes. But in that also, I had to take care of soldiers. I had to, uh, and civilians, um, uh, and, uh, and uh, to be able to provide for them and protect them uh, from any health ailments or health effects, but also from potential threats that could be chemical related, biological related, radiological, explosives, all of those, what we call CBRNE, um, that I had to make sure that we were capable of responding to. So these are things, the concrete examples are if it's a anthrax or if it's uh, something like a chemical, a blistering agent that was released or something that was going to be a nerve agent that could cause immediate death and things like that. How do you train your soldiers? How do you prepare? What medications or what, what we call countermeasures would you give and things like that? So those were all part of my um, job and also figuring out what the threat is. Uh, so as I got into all that work, um, then uh, fast forward, uh, returned to the States um, and um, started doing some work in emergency medicine, studying this and getting on advisory councils, just, you know, giving them advice because people didn't know about that in the States, you know, only people who have been at war and in the military and have special privilege and access um, had those trainings, and that was one of those. Uh, so, enter, uh, you know, we had all the things from 9-11 and more terrorist threats and things like that, and then I got called up to, hey, can you advise us on this? Can you advise us on this? How would you go about this? And then the whole disaster world, um, which is what we also trained and prepared for, from heat casualties, injuries, uh, you know, pandemics, and uh, uh, weather changes, earthquakes, all the things you have to figure out what we call business continuity of operations for companies, corporations, or even for your hospital system. All those things you had to factor and think about. How do you surge up? Meaning, how do you have enough staff? Um, how do you have enough supplies? There are four S's of surge. How do you have enough space? And other stuff that you're going to need. So those are the things that I had to become expert at and um, to give advice on. So I got called up. Uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the uh, 
emergency uh, uh, associations, many different healthcare facilities, corporations where that's my input. So I was a consultant and advisor on those things um, and published a lot uh, of um, peer-reviewed journal articles, over 30 plus and 80 plus um, other mentions uh, in uh, public literature. So that's how I got into that. And then newspapers and media came and all those things and TV. And then fast forward, uh, I got called up by President Obama's Secretary of Health and the White House. And basically uh, I got appointed to the role to advise the whole nation um, and the Secretary of Health and the Secretary of Preparedness and, and uh, directly the president uh, on those types of things with a group of us that were hand selected to advise on the preparing for and responding to uh, public health emergencies. And that covers everything from Deepwater Horizon incident to H1N1 to whatever all those threats are uh, to the nation and to the homeland. That's how I got involved. And um, it's been pretty much the same thing, but different threats. And uh, I've been involved in that. So, yeah, that's it. Man, that's great. Yeah. Um, like you said, that's something a lot of people won't be able to uh, step into or do that position. Um, if you don't mind speaking, can you speak about some of the challenges that you were faced with having that title or with being in that position? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, challenges were, you know, were great. Um, but uh, being uh, someone from a family uh, of African descent, it wasn't an issue, right? Um, just, you know, you, you got to do and you, you, you're a fighter. Um, it's always been in you. So um, I never had that whole imposter syndrome that people seem to go through. Um, I don't know that I felt entitled. I just felt blessed and I'm going to do what I do best and is pay attention to detail give my two cents advice, think about things um, and think about the public in general and what would I do for myself, for my family um, and, and extrapolate that to the public. Um, yeah, there were, there were challenges, you know, hey, this is black guy in the room. Who's this black guy? Uh, it was this young black guy and then it's just like and there's you know it's just you so you have to represent and you know when they hear you speak and people hear you speak they're kind of like oh okay he knows what he's obviously talking about interestingly stuff um but you know there were some uh stairs and faces where you know people kind of wonder like who are you um what are your qualifications and you know i'd be like go check my resume i don't know um, I'm fortunate to be here and I'm here and uh, I will add value. Uh, you can't deny that. So, and uh, I was able to make some changes and um, be involved in a lot of public policy, congressional testimonies, uh, a, a lot of wonderful things. But yeah, uh, people fight that imposter syndrome. Fortunately, I never felt that way. Um, uh, I felt that I belonged there. I was obviously appointed there. Uh, but don't uh, get it twisted. There are some times where you just kind of like, okay, uh, you felt the burden. Like you, you're speaking up for black people all over the world. Um, it's just like, okay, I, I want to make sure I represent well. Um, and you shouldn't feel that way, but yeah, I think you do. You feel that pressure, but I was able to fortunately step up to the plate. That's great. That's great. Seeing you got all this knowledge 
all this uh, credentials behind you? Um, what made people came to you and, and had to respect your knowledge at that time? Like, you know what? I got, I'm on my, I'm on my stuff. Believe what I'm saying because I did the, did the research. I did the, the studying and everything like that. And with that, I have another question for you because you, you have such a vast knowledge of the medical field and everything else. I see that you were an assistant professor. Would you mind speaking about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, I was in academic medicine for several years. Um, I hit the ground running. Uh, once I hit academia, I uh, published several uh, papers, was involved in multiple things. All the, some of the things I mentioned, I was doing a lot of things at the same time. And, you know, sometimes that uh, affects families because you're not spending that much time with family. So if there's anything, I'd seize that as a teaching moment. Balance your time. So um, academia can be fun and great because you basically are at a university health system and you're able to impart knowledge and also challenge yourself and be with peers who are super sharp, super smart, and iron sharpens iron. So you're able to do all those things and uh, also impact lives and policy and all that in that work. But also it does consume your time and, uh, and you work, you work hard. Um, and you may not see all of the rewards, at least monetarily in the academic setting, but you definitely can see that with your publications, your work in other, other ways that are satisfying. But also make sure you balance that time and uh, you know, remember your family. you spend those time because it does take away from that so that would be one of my advices but yes yeah, so I was an assistant professor um, up for promotion and um, you know after dealing with um, the challenges of academia I decided I needed to um, go do my own thing I'm an entrepreneur at heart also and an innovator and a, and a thinker and um, I always think outside the box and while you follow rules, there's sometimes some rules don't always make sense. So you have to pave your own way. And then you go out on faith and uh, you go do it. And that's what I've done. So I had to make my own way. And uh, I haven't looked back since. So that's where I'm at. So I came to own my own business, created my own business, my own consulting. And uh, still work in the emergency department, but as a contractor. Um, so I don't have to be obligated to all the whims and the politics and BS that sometimes goes along with academia and racism, to be frank. Yes. Uh, so you just have to you kind of pave your own way and figure out how to leverage your networks um, uh, and all those things. So that's what I've done so far. And um, there's uh, more to come and uh, more opportunities. As long as it's doing a good for the public, I'm all about that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I just want to say one thing. Um, you're like the prime example of always keep learning, always keep achieving, keep pushing yourself forward. Because like you said, you've been in academia, you've been, you're working in the ED. And then uh, we want to talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial, um, uh, entrepreneurship, excuse me. <laughs> and uh, I'll talk a little bit about the organization or the business that you've started to consult with others. Um, if you don't mind, let's jump into that a little bit. Yeah. So um, uh, Erudition LLC is the name of my company, and uh, we do advising on public health issues uh, as it relates to disaster preparedness, emergency management, emergency response, 
pandemics, of course, like SARS-CoV, any of the public health threats, public health issues, uh, even media training along um, discussing public health issues uh, and business continuity of operations. All oh, what does that mean in plain English? Uh, it means pretty much advising uh, companies, organizations, people, entities on how to prepare for these types of threats and situations. How do we continue our business? How um, can we figure out a way to um, still reach our customers or reach our clients? and engage them even while a pandemic or some public health threat is going on? How do we make sure we uh, decrease our risk to our bottom line, to our, our, our finances by making sure we're still being able to run our operations as best we can given a difficult circumstance? What are the crisis communications that go along with that? How do you um, distill uh, information um, in a way where people can understand it? and how do you address this, the crisis um, and leadership. Um, so all those things I advise on and, um, and uh, that's part of what my business does. All right, and how long have you been in business for yourself um, with Extradition? Um, so Extradition has been um, out there since 2009, um, kind of part-time and then um, as I, um, gained my wings, so to speak, and dealt with all the uh, BS of academia and said, you know what, all right, I'm going full time and just going to fly. And sometimes you just, you got to walk out of faith and go get it. So that's kind of how I've done that. So it's been um, almost uh, 2009. So yeah, about uh, pushing almost uh, 10 years. Man, that's great. That's great. Because that's one thing a lot of people don't know, like a lot of small businesses end within the first one or two years. And for you to be going this long, that means you're making a big impact. You're doing a lot of great things with the business. And as you can tell the sales or the consulting has picked up and kept it moving forward. Um, What's up, everybody? Let me introduce myself. My name is Dr. Bartu Wilson. I'm a pharmacist that was featured in one of the most prestigious publication, Marquis Who's Who in 2021 as a top medical professional of the world because of my impact through medication therapy management, outreach programs, and networking. I started my own podcast, Pill Talk Podcast, to sit down and talk with other top medical professionals about their journey. Some of the topics that we cover in our conversations are their career path choice, education level needed to practice in their career field, and most importantly, how they're impacting the lives of the patients that they see daily. So, I would like for you to join me every Monday at 6 p.m. as I release new episodes so you can learn about the different medical fields from the top professionals themselves. I just wanna let you know that Pill Talk Podcast is just not a podcast, it's your medicine. The daily dose you need to educate, motivate and inspire to live at your full potential so become an empowered leader and start to dream bigger with pill talk podcast so i want you to go ahead and subscribe to my youtube channel and support the podcast by becoming an active listener and purchasing some merchandise thank you we got one more thing that i want to talk to you about because you said it in your business that you help people with media uh, personality and, and doing media takes. Um, 
understand that you are a media personality yourself, that you go on these shows and be able to give this advice. Um, how did you get into that? Um, yeah, so uh, one, I was definitely always candid. That was me. Um, uh, always blunt and, um, you know, calling out what needs to be done. Um, and of course, you have to have your own expertise in your field. But understand that, you know, media also is looking for a certain type of people that feel fit the, their cookie cutter kind of definitions. I wasn't one of those, um, so it wasn't uh, the easiest uh, kind of thing. Uh, but give your message. They can't deny the truth in your knowledge. That's one of the things. So I think people respect that. Um, so I've been on CNN, MSNBC, Chatter, you know, all the different outlets. You know, uh, so I get to say Google me. You know how people say like, Google me, <laughs> you know, but I don't. I don't do that. But. The, the, the point is that, um, yeah, those things are out there. It is, uh, it is a double-edged sword because you're actually sharing a message, uh, but it is your voice. Um, and speak your voice and speak the truth, the best truth you know. Um, it is an opinion. It's not uh, a gospel. Um, and uh, you're engaging uh, people who are listening. And I think you have to be engaged. You can't be boring. You can't, you know, just be yourself and hopefully you're excited and excitable and passionate about what it is and people will listen uh make sure you're not speaking in jargon that they don't understand and that's one of my big things about communication um i have a, another company we're working on all things communication and how we fight this misinformation disinformation which is called health and communication agency um and uh we talk about that. I think they even I do those discussions on Clubhouse and off Clubhouse and other outlets and Twitter and on my IG at Dr. NMD. So I think we have these uh, conversations, uh, but uh, media can be a double-edged sword. They can be your enemy or they can be your friend. Uh, and you just have to make sure you give them the information that will make them not only friendly, but also um, that gets the message out to the people that you really want to. And remember, you control the voice. So you control what message you want to put out there. Nice, nice, nice. That's really great information right there, man. Uh, being able to, to tailor your message to the audience that you're aiming to um, deliver or receive that message from you. That is a, a thing that a lot of media personalities need to understand some people would just get on here and just say anything and have a it's genuine what they're saying and the information is correct where they're not tailing it for someone to actually receive the message so it kind of just goes over a lot of people's head yeah so you do a lot you're making a great impact um so how do you have a work-life balance at this point yeah that's uh um i've uh learned to improve with that um uh, it's, it, it has been a challenge. Um, and as I said, uh, you have to make sure you uh, take time for self. So one, I think important is sleep. I'm still working on that department. Um, <laughs> so we get enough rest. Um, it's important uh, to reduce aging and also just for your mental capacity and sharpness. Um, I think the other piece is, you know, just doing stuff that's fun and quality time with your family and loved ones. Uh, nothing is guaranteed that COVID is, you know, kind of showing us. I think those are important things and, uh, you know, carve out your time for your work and just say, after this, I'm shutting down and doing something else. 
and it's practice. You, it, it takes some discipline, and you just have to keep doing that. Uh, understand also that your time is valuable. Uh, people take for granted the time. I, I guard my time jealously nowadays, um, and uh, also let them know your time is worth something. I think people take people for granted. Uh, I think they're just supposed to volunteer their time all the time, um, and uh, especially in this day and age where it is important. There's nothing wrong with uh, service um, and volunteering, but after a while, you also shouldn't be taken for granted. So make sure you value yourself um, and value your time because you don't get that back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My last question for you today is um, what are your next five to 10 years look like? What are your next career goals and dreams? Uh, well, I would say uh, as God wills. Um, so uh, uh, I'm a firm believer in that and uh, he paves the way. Um, but yeah, there's lots, um, lots coming. Uh, the future is bright. Definitely some projects that I'm interested in and working on are the age of misinformation and disinformation. Addressing that from a policy standpoint, a consultant an advisory standpoint, especially for all these social media platforms that I have been the conduit for all this misinformation, disinformation, to help them regulate their policies around that and, and advise them on that, um, or even advise uh, uh, congressmen. Uh, I think those are my public health calling to be able to figure that piece out. I think the other piece is, you know, how do we figure out some treatments and therapies that will help uh, people um, with uh, different types of ailments, especially um, our children, um, to address uh, some of those things that haven't been addressed, leveraging technology, AI, and, and health knowledge base. So that's uh, coming. Um, and I think the other is just the philanthropy part, which is where we're helping others who are less fortunate to get them to a different level uh, and uh, meet people's needs. Um, as best as we can by either offering healthcare, free healthcare, access, um, whatever it is to, to help get them to that next level. Um, and, you know, just showing that human side. I think those are the, the pieces that I want to engage in and be on. And of course, that does take capital. So we got to figure it out, make that solution, but to be able to invest in ourselves and our people. And, and people in general, but definitely, I think, also for the BIPOC population who have been neglected. Uh, I think it's important uh, and to be a part and be a voice uh, in that and a partaker and a doer, a doer. It's important to be doing, uh, be a part of that process. So, yeah, those are the things that I, that I look forward to. Nice, nice. All right. So if anybody want to get in contact with you or... Uh, be consulted by your business. Can you give them out? Can you give out your um, Instagram, social media handles, and websites so that they can be able to get in contact with you? Sure. Um, I'm at Doc Dan M D. That's at D O C D A N M as in Mary, D as in Delta. Um, on all pretty much channels, Twitter, IG, and my website is docdanmd.com. So try to keep it simple. Um, and uh, yeah, so reach me out there and um, follow me, and we can exchange in some communication. I'm not your doctor, huh? this is only for informational purposes only, uh, but I, I do think uh, there's some opportunities 
collaborate. So we'll see. All right. Thank you, Dr. Dan. I really appreciate you coming on, taking some time out to be on Pill Talk Podcast to give some daily dose of medicine to inspire the next generation of medical providers and entrepreneurs like yourself. It's out there for the getting. Go get it. Sir. All right. This has been Pill Talk Podcast. Thank you.